Let's start. It's going to be, these people are going to be crazy. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to talk tonight uh, about overachievers. And what I found about overachievers is that typically the people that are well, what does it mean overachieve? Means they overachieve means they achieve more than what? What's required? What's required? Or what's expected? What's expected? Or maybe or maybe what what else? Or the standards of the the average population sets. So what they like they earn more? They earn more. Do more than is necessary. More than is necessary? Overexertion. Oh, ah, what, what am I looking for here? Potential. Someone who overachieves. He overachieves more than what? More than what? Their potential. Well, more than potential? How do you overachieve more than your potential? Because that is technically, you're, if you're achieving, you are less part of your potential. But like, achieving more than what they expect your potential to be. I want to classify overachieving as overachieving more than your abilities or more than someone with a comparable set of abilities, circumstances would have achieved. So now the point is like, if you're, let's say, significantly more intelligent than someone else and you achieve more than that person, let's expect it, right? That you have the abilities, you know? If, you're, if your family was able to put you through college or if you grew up in the United States, it doesn't necessarily qualify you as an overachiever. The fact that you did more for society than someone who has to, you know, who's not sure how he's going to eat his next meal, right? They're just concentrated on how to get more food, right? Obviously, they're not going to be that productive for, for mankind. They're just not they, because of circumstance. What I want to, I want to zone in on people or the qualities that enable someone to achieve more than other people with comparative skills, circumstances, scenarios, um, situations, that's what I want to focus on. Because typically you see someone who's an overachieving, someone who's really intelligent. I learn with a guy uh, about once a week. Um, you guys, some of the people you here even know that know him. I'm sure a lot of people here know him. Um, so I'm not sure if I should try to obscure who it is or not. Maybe yes. What? Um, Would they care? Huh? Would they care? Maybe, maybe not. Anyhow, he's a lawyer. Okay. He's a lawyer, and uh, he was telling. I was telling him about my son. If I remember, I spoke about this last time. My son, that he's. I decided that he's just too intelligent for his class. That's why he's bored. Remember, I said it last week. Yeah. Yeah. So I said to him that uh, that, that you know, my son. He that I just decided he's too intelligent. That's why he's not stimulated in, in class, and that's why he hates going to school. So he said, "Oh, maybe she will get him checked." When I was a kid, I was five years old. They said my, my parents sent me for an evaluation, wide range of evaluation, including. Uh, you know, intelligent IQ and everything, and it came out like you know. He seemed indicate like like. So I said, I said, tell me, did your like you said, how did you do in your IQ score? So he said, oh, I got did pretty well. So I said, uh, well, was it higher or lower than your LSATs? Now, who knows what an LSAT is? An LSAT is the is the is the pretest for for law, yeah. and the the high score is one eighty. And people score between 150 and 170s. So this is the bulk of the, uh, right? So he said about the same, both of them in the 160s. Now having an, an IQ of 160, that's super genius because anything above like 130 is genius. So I was thinking that if this person is able to accomplish more, well, they have a greater intellectual capacity. 
it's no big deal. It's expected for them to achieve more than the average the average Joe. And I actually heard this also that um, someone someone said this. Maybe I don't remember who said this, but someone said that anyone who's ever changed the world has to have at least an IQ of one thirty. That's what he said. I don't know if it's true or not, unverified, undocumented. Uh, point is, is that once you reach that plateau, it doesn't matter anymore. But uh, that that uh, this aside, the point is, is that there are people that have intelligence, and other people that have what seem to have the same amount of intelligence, skills, abilities, qualities, circumstances. Some of them are overachievers, and some of them, uh, you know, obviously they're underachievers. But also people that just are run of the mill. So the question is, what is it? What are the characteristics that um, that we find by overachievers, people that? do things that wouldn't be expected of, of them if you just saw the set of skills and, and, and situations, circumstances, and abilities, what are those things that, uh, that help those people achieve more than they, what they, they should have? Motivation. Motivation. Charity. 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 You think it's charity? I think it's just thinking about what you're doing. It's just doing it. It's just doing it? Like so it's not about the... super focused about what you want to do. So focus, you're saying like laser-like focus. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's fun to get a lot of answers here. There's prayer, motivation. It's really different. There's just like a... Focus. It's an X factor. It's an like, it's, it's the intangible. Yeah, it's the, like, there's just like the difference between, you know, Mr. A and Mr. B grew up in the same neighborhood, went to the same school, same intelligence, yada, yada, like, same meat, all this... You know, the difference between A and B is like B has, there's, you got focus, there's just something God given that's different. But what, what is that? I don't know. And sometimes it's And is it, there's no way to learn it, you're saying? No. There's, there's no way to learn it? No. There are like some people, like, they may be a yoker, but you know, like, is it, there's a, is there's something that they want to get done. They'll get it done. Like, if they have to go figure out how to get it done, they'll try, like, digging underneath the mountain. That doesn't work. They'll try going on through the mountain. That doesn't work. They'll climb over the mountain or they'll get a helicopter. So that's they're like relentless. 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 And they're focused. Determined. Determined. I wonder if it could come from their upbringing, if their families are like that, if their parents, if they're... Yes. <laughs> is that what you were saying, John? No, I'm, I'm saying like there's like there is something genetic. There's something God gives. So it's it's natural. There's no way. There's no way to. You can't. You can't. Wow. You can. You can improve it, but at the end of the day, I think there's something God given that separates well, two but, people from the same the same exact mold. But wait a minute. But let's say assuming what you're saying is correct. Sure. Okay, and lots of whatever it is that we determine it could be motivation, it could be determination, it could be whatever words that we gave. So that, those things could also be, uh, you know, God-given. That's also a trait that someone Absolutely. has, right? The way that they deal with, with adversity, that they deal with, with critics. Sure. Point is, is that even if it is natural, it doesn't mean it can't be acquired. Yeah. Right? It means the second someone has, uh, someone knows what they want, well, then we in Judaism have been preaching for thousands of years that you can actually acquire it even if you don't have it naturally. If you're not naturally a giving person, not naturally a kind person, not naturally a patient person or any one of the good qualities that you think that you would that are desirable and admirable, well, you could actually acquire them. And there's a method to doing that. So the point is once we isolate what exactly it is or maybe even the process, I think all those answers are actually correct. What I wanted to do is um, but as I said, once we figure out what it is that um, that uh, well, what are these characteristics, 
then we really know, you know, the roadmap of how to actually become an overachiever. So what I wanted to do is take maybe a few stories from, from the Torah of people that seem to have overachieved and try to break it down and see what was it specifically about uh, their nature, their character, their behavior that caused them to be different than their peers. And we'll start with this week's Parsha. The name of the Parsha is Yisro, Jethro, named after Moses's, Moses's father-in-law. And out of the 54 uh, Parshios, sections of the Torah, many of them have name, like are named after people. None of them, ironically, are named after Moses, which is strange. And Moses' father-in-law, he has a section of the Torah named after anyhow, as an aside. So Moses' father-in-law, we start this week's parsha. Moses' father-in-law, he hears the wonderful things that happen to the Jews. The Jews right now are leaving Egypt, the Exodus, uh, the miracles, the plagues, the splitting of the sea was last parsha. Moses' father-in-law hears everything that happens and decides to come join you know, to come join the Jewish people. He comes, joins the Jewish people, and he sees his son-in-law, and his son-in-law welcomes him, and they have a huge party. And then, you know, he settles down. He's here, there for a nice extended visit. And he wakes up the next morning. He sees Moses and starts answering questions. Right? Moses is the rabbi, and all the people will have a question. And there's just a line out the door, like DMV style, just out the door. Everyone's just, right, snaking. And, everyone just, and Moses is just all day and all night answering questions. And... Yisrael, he says to him, wait a minute, why can't we outsource some of your responsibilities? So he develops this wonderful system, very economic, very uh, like uh, uh, escalating, that every 10 people have like one monitor, and every 50 people have one guy in charge, uh, that is every five sections of, every group of five groups of 10, every 100 people, every 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, and then Moses on the top. And Moses only gets the very difficult questions that none of the uh, other people can answer. Brilliant, and they implement the system, and Moses has tons of time to, to, to care for other things. It's like, imagine, you don't, you don't go to the Supreme Court for every petty, uh, petty uh, traffic violation, right? You don't do that, because there's, there's the, the questions that go up in the courts, very, a system that we have perfected already now. And this was Yisro's contribution, and he came, and he gave this idea, and he left to delegate, to outsource. And um, that's the first session of this, first part of this week's Torah portion. This part is the most significant event in not only the Torah, but all of Jewish history. What's that? The experience revelation at Sinai. Ten Commandments. Right, uh, uh, this national prophecy, revelation, it's the kind of the, the, the exclamation point on the whole Exodus story. Right? It started off with the plagues and leaving Egypt and the splitting of the sea and uh, all the, uh, uh, the, you know, the clashes that they had with Pharaoh and the Egyptians and culminating in these, this wonderful national uh, revelation experience at Sinai. So this is the most important event, in, like, like I said, not only in, 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 in in the Torah, but we would argue in, 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 in human history. Because this is the one event that we always go, go back to that has kind of shaped and formed our people, but also all of the world and all of the beliefs and faiths and tenets and systems of belief that are outgrowth of, of, of our people are also uh, heavily influenced by this one event. And this got me thinking, okay, so... These two portions of the Torah don't, shouldn't really go together. Like the story of Yisro outsourcing 
And, th- and then the next part that the at Revelation at Sinai, for a few reasons. Number one, there's actually a dispute amongst the commentaries whether or not this episode of Yisro happened before or after the Revelation at Sinai. So it's possible, it's possible that Yisro, that Moses' father-in-law, showed up after the Revelation at Sinai. So the Torah deliberately went out of chronological order to tell you the story of Yisrael before the story, the episode at, at the mountain, at Mount Sinai. That's number one. Number two, this great idea that he had, the outsourcing idea, wasn't actually his idea. Because if you look in Deuteronomy, it attributes that idea to someone else. So it's possible that he corroborated that he also had that idea, but for whatever reason, we attribute that debt to him. And lastly, it seems strange that uh, the Parsha, the section of the Torah that talks about the most significant event, is named after this Yisro, who, by the way, was a priest and was an idolater. <laughs> and, he, and he came and eventually he converted to, to, to the Jewish people, but at this point in time, he wasn't even Jewish. So it seems strange to, to tell us this story as sort of the preamble, the introduction to the getting of the Torah at, Sin- at Mount Sinai, tell us the story of Yisro. So, how is this germane at all to our subject? I think for a few reasons. I think that the Torah wants us to take the story of Yisro and break it down and examine it. Because what he did, what he accomplished, well, not even accomplished, but his inspiration, his initiative, his motivation, his determination, uh, is, is, is an example of someone overachieving. Imagine, imagine you're a priest you're a dignified priest of some Christian church, I don't know, right? In a, in, you have a very respectable position somewhere in, uh, I don't know, in, rather, I don't know, in uh, Tulsa or uh, uh, Topeka, I don't know, someplace, right? And you hear a story about some people by the name of the Jews who have this wonderful experience and they're touting a new kind of belief, a belief in the one invisible God, right? Not this, you know, what you're preaching, something which totally rejects and repudiates everything that you have been, uh, that you have been, uh, been preaching. And if this ideology is true, remember, this is, this is a pagan world. By definition, if you're a priest in ancient times, you're a, you're a pagan. If the Jews are right, you have to take all your all your, your whole university and your whole diploma and you guys rip it to shreds. So think about Yisro leaving not only leaving his family, his community, his his um, you know where he was living to go join these other people, but he was also rejecting everything that he'd been teaching till now. So that's number one. Number two. Yisro heard what happened to the Jewish people. What do you mean? Yisro was in Midian. This was in Egypt. How did he hear? Or better yet, if he heard, it seems likely that other people might have heard as well. No? They didn't have email back then. They didn't have email, but if Yisro heard, the first words of the Torah section, of the, of the Parsha start off, and Yisro heard what happened to the Jewish people. Well, he was far away, so how did he hear? Well, somehow he heard. We don't know how he heard. It doesn't say, and he heard via what medium. He just says that he heard. He was Moses Okay, he was Moses So what? 
the point is he the point is this information was conveyed and it it reached him and you would assume that if it reached him it might have reached other people as well and we don't find any account any narrative any story of anyone else abandoning their life their job their profession their family their community and going to join the Jewish people Yisro was the only one he was maybe perhaps we could call him an overachiever he here the same information and he did something about it everyone else might have heard the same information as well Oh, maybe yes, maybe no. Well, that, 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 that could be argued. That could, that could be argued. Perhaps. Or, or like bandwagon, uh, bandwagon jumpers. Bandwagon jumpers. Jumping on a bandwagon? Jumping on a bandwagon? Basically, love When... Yeah, that's an interesting point. Because in the, in the Torah, uh, uh, just um, in truth, in the Torah, we don't actually paint, we, we paint them more as bandwagon jumpers than, well, it's possible that there was that, you know, there was, well, I know, but if you look at the, the Midrash, it talks about them very negatively. So, it's possible everyone heard the same thing, and to him, it was a much bigger deal as, as a priest, as a member of the clergy, and, and the clergy of a faith that was not that was not in agreement, not in concert with the Jews. To him, it's remarkable that he made he was able to make this change. Is that an achievement, though? Is that an achievement? Or maybe he was, yeah, or maybe he found. Well, think about it. He did something no one else did. He converted. Well, we think of achievement as typically like a. Well, that's the one caveat. And I think, actually, if I remember correctly, I spoke about this last year. I want to see if I don't remember that. But someone mentioned last year at this very table, when we spoke about this, well, not exactly from this angle, but we spoke, someone said, wait, well, of course, he's Moses' son, he's Moses' Moses' father. Well, maybe, you know, he had more of an incentive or more of an in, so to speak. An inside shoot. It was you, wasn't it? We can go back to the audio tape. I have it somewhere. historian <laughs> Yeah, the talk historian. It was him? No. I'm going to go back and listen to it. So I want to say that to overachieve, there you need three three characteristics. Three characteristics. And I think we can use Yisrael and we'll try to find other examples for this. Number one, you have to be inspired. Number two, you have to take action. Number three, you have to, you'll face persevere. You have to persevere um, when you when you when you have obstacles, when you uh, adversity. Thank you. When you when you face adversity, it's possible that everyone in the world we have um, the, the Talmud says this. Well, because yes, it's, that's the chronology. 
The Talmud says is that when the Jews were at Sinai, everyone in the world was aware of that. Now, how exactly they were aware of it, it's not so clear. The point is that this information was widely available to everyone. Yisro, just like everyone else, he also heard it. The point is, is that most people, when they heard it, they just kept on smoking their cigarettes or their cigars, harking back to what we talked about earlier, or drink their Kool-Aid, or doing whatever they did. It didn't impact them. They weren't inspired by it. You read something in the news, how, how often do you get inspired about it? People are, inspiration means to take something to heart. To have it affect you, to have it impact you. It's trying to stir up a moment. It's the same thing, right? You're try- That's why it's so hard to advertise, because most people are unwilling to actually change something about their, about their internal feelings. And inspiration means when something from the outside impacts you on the inside. That's what inspiration means. You read about a wonderful story someplace on the other end of the world. It's a story. It's entertainment. It doesn't actually get into your kishchus, as we say. It doesn't get into your innards, right? And actually impact you, make, you know, make you well, contemplate change. Thailand on anti-smoke commercial, it's supposed to be like the best ever anti-smoke commercial. What it is, is you have these little kids going asking these adults for a But this, what you just said is a great example. Thank you for bringing this up. You know, sometimes you have people when they, smokers. So smokers, when they go to the doctor, what, are they, what, what does the doctor try to do to them? Shows them a picture of their lung and a healthy lung. Right? Your lung, this is your lung. Right? It looks like, like a furnace. Like it's all disgusting. And this is like a healthy pink lung. And what this is trying to do is to get people inspired. And some people, they just read it, and it doesn't impact them at all. But, yeah. And they don't consider change. And they say, oh, that's, uh, they, 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 they try to do away with it. They try to uh, answer it up. You know, how many people here um, have ever texted while they drove? I tried to only do that red light. Ah, okay. Has there anyone ever been here? We were working on that. Many texts did drove today? Okay, <laughs> I think I did. I, don't know, maybe. I try like only if I text when I drive. I try to like, if I text. I try to only do it at stoplights or at uh, stoplights. Point is, is that we've all texted and, dri- and driven, just even put though your phone in the back seat, guys. Put it in the back. Dana, Dana, put it Dana. In the back. Have you ever texted while you drove? No, I put my Never. phone in the back. I was thinking that. You just get out, you is a male nurse, so. The person who says, you have those The point is, is that don't people talk to text today? Yeah. Yeah, but still have to fiddle on your phone. Yeah, to, you or no? Now you're still like... That's what I did. Fiddling. Yeah, you press the text and you just speak into the... But then you have to click send. Yeah, yeah, someone can make sure... Right, right, right. Okay, so they drive, like, the signs on the freeway, like, right at 3916, yo, 
75 people have been Did killed. Did you see that sign? The people I live in, in Texas, Texas, right? But, but, uh, George Jefferson, they're like, the content, like, Point is, is that it's it's in, it's in one ear out the other, it's outside. Exactly, of and the point is, is yes. that people, two identical people, right, when confronted with something that would other or that is liable to provide inspiration, the person who's going to be the overachiever is going to be inspired. He's going to be changed by what they see, what they experience, what they encounter, what they come across. And someone else could see the identical thing, and they have you know the, the, the distinction between those two people is that one that one is opening up him, his him or herself to be be inspired. So that's number one. Number two is even once you have inspiration, you have to translate that into actually doing something about it. Right? Yes, so here's this wonderful thing, and he's he's so touched, and he's like, my God, I've been wrong all these years. I wonder how many of my kids are up. Chai is <laughs> out of town. Okay. Right? You've been wrong this You have this inspiration. Well, are you going to do something better or not? Right? Because inspiration left idle will dissipate. and will disappear over time. So the next step is once you have inspiration to actually say, I'm going to do something better. Okay, I'm joining the Jewish people. I'm making a change. And the last thing is the perseverance. Right? What do you mean? You're leaving us? Are you crazy? This is look at look look at your community. Look at your family. Look at this is where you grew up. This is where your life is. Your personal professional life, and every good idea, right, that has ever been successful. There's always been someone who has said, "Oh, this is a terrible idea." I just read today on the news. Today, there's a company by the name of Nest. Have you heard of Nest? They make oh, these yeah. fancy. They make fancy uh, like thermostats and. Smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors, like these really fancy gadgety. And today they're brought up by Google for. Is that the one that Matt McConaughey speaks for? Maybe I don't know. They were brought up for $3.2 billion. And the guy who started the company, the guy who started the company was working for Apple and he designed the, he designed the iPod. And then his, he told his friends that he's, I read this today, he told his friends, oh, I'm leaving Apple and I'm starring a uh, company that makes thermostats. Everyone was laughing at him. Right? <laughs> You're leaving <laughs> Apple, your cushy job here at the, uh, one of the biggest technology companies, You're probably making like, I don't know, maybe a few million dollars a year or a half million dollars a year, whatever, making big bucks. You're starting a thermostat company and who's laughing now? Right? right? And I don't think there's ever been... Um, very <laughs> disgusting. Good job. <laughs> she just said disgusting. Hey, sorry, Steph's potty training. Huh? Sorry, Steph's potty training. She's terrified. Okay, Miriam, I'll. What was the story about this company again? No, the point is, is that when he started his company, everyone was discouraging him from leaving Apple. And what? It's doing very and well. And he sold it for three point two billion dollars today. Wow. Point is is that if you ever you, you have an you have an idea, you're inspired to do something, right? You have an idea, you're you're always going to face detractors. There's always are people that are gonna try to convince you to give up your idea, don't have this silly idea, what are you really trying to do? Just stay the course, go with the flow, why change? Why are you why are you doing this to yourself, right? There's always going to be someone whose job in life it is to make you miserable. And make you forget your dreams. I don't know. That's human nature. It's human nature. nature. And these three things, and you 
And the only way to be successful is just persevere, persevere, keep on pushing. And and just don't, you have, you're inspired, you decide to change, go with it. And know you're going to be facing tremendous uh, adversity, tremendous obstacles, right? And, and no, nothing that has ever been great or been worthwhile or has improved the world has ever been smooth, right? You can, there's, there's no, there's no, you know, there's no, there's no easy way to do something great. There isn't. We're easy. Everybody would do it. Exactly. And what, what, what differentiates the overachievers from the regular run-of-the-mill people is there is number one, their ability to be impacted by inspiration. Number two, their, their ability to translate that into, into actions. And lastly, to be able to persevere in the face of adversity. Jason. These groups of people went and, you know, were regular Jews there. Basically, they went to Moses, challenged God, and God said, that's a great idea. Let's change around the laws that we have here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is, I, I think that... Yeah, I'm sure, you, I'm sure someone said, oh, you're going to try to change the system? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know nobody nobody can fight City Hall, right? They went to City Hall, said they went to Moses, and Moses went to God, and God said, sounds great. We're going to do this thing. Uh, so I'm wondering what the rabbi's thought was. What made the, those two groups of people different? Yeah, but I, I, that's another. I didn't even think about that. But I was thinking about Abraham, right? Yeah, Abraham. Abraham. It's possible that he was just super intelligent, and it's, it's possible that he was more intelligent than everyone else. It's possible. We don't know for sure. I don't think. I can't think of any source that would say one or the other. But what we do know about Abraham is that he had this idea about monotheism, and he decided to work on it. Action number one: inspiration. Number two: action. And lastly, we know that he faced tremendous, you know, tremendous adversity, and he, he persevered through it. Right? We have the account that they tried to kill him; they threw him into the fire. Right? His family—they were all idolaters; they were pagans. His neighbor, community, society, country—everyone was against this idea, and everyone discouraged him. And now look at him—he's the father of monotheism. Look what he is now. Right? He changed the world because he had these three things. I think Moses as well. Right? Moses is the um, Moses is the obviously the leader of the Jews. And what's the first thing we hear about Moses? It's the very first thing that Torah. Well, Torah tells us about an adult Moses, not about a baby Moses. Baby Moshe. He's born. In, well, he's born. He, his, his mother put him in the basket down the Nile. Okay, that's the first thing we hear about him. At, he at, he like at, okay, well, that's not the first thing that tells us. Okay. <laughs> Okay. That he was a very modest man. He was a modest man. Oh yeah. Well, that's the first story. But even before that, what's the first thing it says? It says that Moshe grew up. This is in Exodus two eleven, I believe two eleven. Uh, Moses grew up. He went out to his friends and saw their suffering. Now remember, Moses' achievement in life was his leadership ability. Right. What's the first thing that a leader needs? He needs to care for his for the people, right? He has to care. If, you, if a leader means that someone who takes the problems of the people that he's leading and puts them on his own shoulders, what bothers someone else bothers me. First thing that Moses did, does is he goes out, right, and he gets inspired. He sees the Jewish people suffering, right. He's like, oh my gosh, what's happened to the Jewish people? 
Next thing that happens is he's someone starting up with the Jewish people, right? He developed this. He develops a care, a concern for the Jewish people. First, by getting, gaining the inspiration. Next thing he does is he puts an attachment by killing the Egyptian, right? And we know throughout his whole life he was dealing with person. He had to he had to persevere through adversity. That, I'm saying that every you know every page of um, numbers is just all about the times where you know the, he had to fight for the Jews and 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 just you know, keep on battling and battling and battling and battling to maintain this leadership. So, and I, I just, these are the ones that came to the top of my head, but I think that, you know, even for us, and even on mundane things, this is not just like we talk about Yisro as being somewhat of an innovator and obviously Abraham, Moses as a leader, but I think overachievers in, I think, any field, in any field, whatever it, whatever it is, it's people that are inspired to do something, you notice something that oh, there's a lack. There's no smart, smart thermometers. Like, gosh, we are such a high tech uh, society. No, we have thermometers that were built in the 1840s, right? And the Da Vinci designed them. It's outrageous, right? So you get inspired to do something. Right? You decide to actually build it, and then people are gonna say it's the silliest idea. You leaving your job? Are you crazy? And you have to keep on fighting. And any any one of the major, uh, I said, even the secular world, right? The people that have accomplished whatever it is, whatever overachiever, you'll notice this pattern. They have inspiration. They have an idea. They have something that, right? They actually they actually do something about it. They actually, do how many people have had a great idea, but did nothing about it? And then you see someone else bring it to market. That happened here? Oh, oh gosh, I thought about that. That was my idea. Now someone else is someone else is why? Because we have a tendency to have great ideas and not actually implement them. What if you don't even meet like what if they don't even have a good idea? <laughs> okay, so you have to people, if you want them scourge. You can't just like no, and no. You have the, what if they they don't have the idea but they're like so determined to do something. And I think that in each one of these eras, there are some people that don't have great ideas, but they... The best ideas come out of the worst ideas. Well, yeah, but people, 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 some people who don't have great ideas, but they never procrastinate. Like, they never procrastinate. So, procrastination is a, uh, is a hindrance, is a liability in taking action. When someone procrastinates, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, right? I'll do it some other time. Sometime I'll do that. Procrastination means when they're not actually implementing their idea. So it could be someone who has wonderful ideas, but then they just procrastinate them. Some people don't procrastinate, <laughs> but they need to work on making sure that they learn how to gain inspiration. And there's a way to do it. Even if someone is not naturally endowed with a million dollar question. Well, I, I, uh, I, uh, I have the answer. So where's the million dollars? Give me your bank account. I'll, I'll send it over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there are ways to learn how to have inspiration. It's about being attentive, attentive. and being attentive. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. The speech that made me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's not the first time I was corrected <laughs> in class. I wasn't. I was trying to that help you. I was right. trying to help you. Uh, that's a hat tip to Jessica. Remember, it was like. A year and a half ago, and you corrected me on the word. I don't remember what word it was, but and you sent me like an email. Oh, actually, look here, dictionary.com. <laughs> I'm sure we can find the email somewhere. We can find the email somewhere. I'm sure. 
Shall I look for it? Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, to how to learn how to have inspiration is also a skill. Some people have it naturally. They just come up with come up with great ideas all the time. Some people need to learn the skill. But would we say that Moses is an overachiever, or, an, or that he, he maximized his potential as a? Well, it's overachieving. He says it's beyond what we expect. If you look at Moses, he started at a high level. But even if the rest of his family, Aaron was clearly a leader of the Jewish people long, long, long after you know Moses was gone, he disappeared. Well, but this, but Jason, your question is only relevant. Is only relevant to whether or not Moses had it from birth or developed it. Point is, is that either way, it's possible that he had it all from birth. That's possible. Point is, for me, I think of overachieving doing something that that the others that were in a similar situation are not. I'm not convinced he did all great stuff. I'm not convinced it's very different as opposed to say Ruth. Who one one wife goes one way, she goes four. To That's me, another example. Thank you. That that to me is overachieving versus you know. Yeah. So so yeah, I I. I I brought it as an example just for the model of doing something great. But that's why Yisro is the example. Because Yisro heard what everyone else heard. Yeah. He did something about it. Yeah. So yes, I, I'm sure I'm sure Moses, I'm saying to you, it's not possible to say or it's not likely to say that Moses is just, was this great person from birth and didn't do anything himself. No, no, no. Because that makes him not much less remarkable than the Torah presents him as. So it's possible that he actually needed to work on one of these three levels. It wasn't just it was something that he was born he was born with naturally. Maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, yeah, your argument's a good argument. Either way, if you want to be an overachiever, you have to know that there's three things to greatness, to accomplishment, right? And if you focus on these three areas, you'll be able to achieve more than other people who, with given the same circumstances and you know set of scenarios, won't be able to because they don't know the secret to overachievement. So that's the last I wanted to take. I hope, uh, I think, I think it's, you know, it's, like you said, we started off by, by asking the question, what, uh, what are the characteristics, what are the marks of an overachiever? Everyone said, well, determination, perseverance, inspiration, that's all true. Um, and I don't think it's that the greatest insight or the greatest idea, like brilliant idea ever. But I said, like, hey, it's the Torah kind of maps it out with the, uh, you know, stories of the great, like, you brought other examples, uh, Ruth and the daughters of, 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 of Tzlavchad, obviously Moses and Abraham. But we see that as, um, as a model for achieving greatness. And like we mentioned, it's something that, you know, if you want to have this, well, you know, there's a way to actually accomplish it. Um, there's, there's, there's a way to learn how to have inspiration, how to make sure the inspiration doesn't die by, by implementing it into action, and how to learn to deal with the constant flow of, uh, of obstacles that will come in your path um, that you have set on to achieve that said greatness. So that's, the, that's my ideas, and I hope y'all enjoyed. I hope we'll see y'all again. And uh, love you all. Y'all. Y'all. You're Thank you. <laughs>